Yeah, welcome back to Nigerian Filmmaker. Podcast for us to talk about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how it can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Sadagot. On this episode, my guest is Abba Makama. He's a filmmaker, visual artist, and a member of the Sorrow 16 Collective. His two features, Green, White, Green, and The Lost Okoroshi, have screened at prestigious festivals, including the Toronto International Film Festival. We talk about his fascination with dreams, tips on festival submissions, and his hopes for Nollywood. If you're a new listener, you're welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Abaya. Welcome to the Nigeria Filmmaker Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So, um, can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Abati Makama. I'm a filmmaker um, and visual artist living in Lagos. Can you tell us like how you got started in filmmaking? Um, I started, I got into filmmaking about um, 10 years ago. I had moved from University of Jos to upstate New York, uh, SUNY Fredonia. Um, upstate New York, SUNY Fredonia, and I was studying business management. But at the time, I I wasn't, um, there was a connection lacking between me and my classmates in that department. I always found myself hanging out at the art department with art students, music department, and um, it was also the same time I started um, discovering film as an art form, not something that I just watch to for entertainment, but something that was deeper than that, something that um, had subtext, had um, had substance, uh, something that was just deeper. You know, uh, I started discovering films that one just for bubblegum con- con- consumption. They were more profound, you know, films yeah. that you would watch and afterwards you'd be like, what did I just see? And you'd, you'd spiral into this um, deep thought, you know. Um, and then I was also watching films just because they were good, you know. Um, I started understanding the difference between what makes a good picture and what makes a bad picture. Yeah. And I think one of the films that um, I'd seen that um, I really connected with was um, Goodwill Hunting by Gus Van Sant, yeah. which was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and directed by Gus Van Sant. And... Um, then afterwards, I had seen um, Reservoir Dogs, yeah. um, which by Tarantino, which I had seen years ago in the 90s, but I didn't like it because, again, then I was watching films just for entertainment and it seemed slow and it was claustrophobic. I was like, why are these guys just in one location? Wouldn't they come out of this warehouse? Yeah. All the reasons I didn't like it were now all the reasons why I loved it the second time seeing it. And from that, I wanted to see more of his work. And I think at that time, Kill Bill Volume 2 had just come out and I had seen one. And um, after that, I just wanted to see, I I just fell in love with cinema, you know. Uh, Yeah. 
I started, I started watching, um, learning about directors, and um, I wanted to see what inspired Quentin. It, the the um, the world just their universe kept on getting bigger and bigger. Um, discovered the works of Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola. You, mm. it, it, usually, most people who get into cinema, they fall in love with um, new the new Hollywood of the 1970s, the, the, the new wave. Yeah. Francis Coppola, George Lucas, um, Brian De Palma, um, Dennis Hopper, all those films from, from that era. You, when you discover them, then you, you want more. You start discovering films from outside America, French yeah. new wave. Um, Italian cinema, German cinema, and that's how I just got into it. And that's um, I, I decided to pick up a, a small camera and I started making these black and white films with my friends, with no dialogue. Uh, this is just purely amateur pictures, yeah. and I would edit them on then Windows Movie Maker, and people quite liked them. Yeah. And, um, that's when I decided that you know I, when I graduate, I, I would move to New York City and I enrolled in NYU Film School. I took a three-month intensive course, and I had made two. I, I learned how to shoot on celluloid film, yeah, on on sixteen millimeter black and white reversal and. Um, 60 millimeter color negative um, shot two projects and after that i moved back to nigeria in 2008 or so and moved to lagos i was working alongside with mtv base doing um, managing their content which was broadcasting on terrestrial network and also doing covering um like album launches for artists, yeah. do music videos, um, doing a bunch of stuff up until 25. I did that for, for quite a while, and I also did my first short film, Director, which is a Nollywood satire. It's about a that filmmaker trying to finish a film in one day. Yeah, that. I got into my first festival um, in around 2010, 2011. I can't remember. I think it was called the Echo International Film Festival. Yeah. Uh, um, but I just kept on working. I kept on doing work, um, commercial work, which paid my bills. And I also kept on making my passion projects, short films. And by 2014, I was now, uh, Al Jazeera reached out to me to do a documentary yeah. on on Nollywood and I did that documentary uh, it allowed me to travel out of the country I went to Jordan to supervise the post-production and um, it was broadcast the next year it did extremely well and then um, my first feature-length film Green White Green yeah. which kind of um, has got me to where I am today um, was shot in 2015 and came out in 2016 and premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, which was a huge break for me. Yeah, um, going to such a huge festival and um, being on the same um, platform as films like Moonlight, which won 
the Academy Award for Best Picture that uh, the following year. Yeah. Um, like um, um, Arrival, you know, these big, these big Hollywood pictures. I mean, the same festival, you know, running yeah. in the same festival in competition. It was a great boost to um, my my self confidence and. Um, even though I, the film is a very low budget film, um, but it's it's it has so much heart and so much depth to it that it ended up taking me around the world. Yeah. Um, different festivals were inviting me to to, um, to screen this film. I was in Russia. I went to Russia twice. I went to Berlin. I went to Spain. Um, I went to Tunisia, I went to Canada, I went to the United States. Um, yeah, I ended up traveling a lot, you know, and I followed up with my 20, and then it ended up on distribution, because you can talk, you can make films and, and travel and showcase them in festival, but the ultimate goal you want is to distribute. Yeah. So it, I ended up getting a deal with Netflix, Air France, Emirates, Ethiopian Airlines, Canal Plus. I put it on a few platforms, huh. and even till date, I'm still. Uh, I was speaking to one of my distributors. I'm currently in Paris right now. I'm I'm gonna be screening my film in Bordeaux um, at uh, an event called uh, Africa. In vision, and um, I was invited here to screen my second film, Lost Okoroshi. Um, I, was, uh, I was speaking to one of my distributors, and he's trying to get it on another platform here in France. Okay. But yeah, um, yeah, this that that has been the journey in a nutshell. Yeah, very packed journey so far. Yeah. So um, you said when you were watching films, you kind of figured. You know the difference between good and bad films so like what what is a good film um for me personally um because this is all subjective yeah a good film for me is a picture that uh is unique that has um certain qualities that i want to see you know i want to see a picture where um, I'm not even thinking about the basics like good cinematography and uh. what on. I want to see a director's vision. Yeah. I want to see your style. I want to see um, what's in your head, your depth. Um, mainly the mainly the director's vision, you know, because um, I always tell people directing is probably the most overstated. Um, job in filmmaking yeah. because if you are in a position of um, influence, you can hire the best team. You can hire a great cinematographer, hire the best art director and just ask them their opinion and they'll be like, oh, I think you should frame the shot this way. I think um, you should. And all you have to do is say, okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, and you make a picture and you'll come out okay. Yeah. But it's also another thing to have your own distinct vision. You watch a Tarantino movie and sometimes you I know a Tarantino picture just by his 
choice of music. You know, there's going to be influences from um, sp Spaghetti Western. It might probably be scored by Ennio Morricone. Morricone. Yeah. I know the font he uses. Um, same thing you see a Gasparno film, you know. Um, there's going to be constant camera movement and the camera might be moving in very unconventional ways. Um, same thing when you watch uh, a Guy Ritchie film, you know. Um, there are certain ways the characters are introduced, you know. There's way the films are paced. So it's... I think that's what makes a good picture, having a clear, unique vision. Yeah. Um, for me personally, that's what makes a good picture. Okay, and um, what would you say has kind of enriched your directing over the years? Um, being a someone who, being an artist, a visual artist, I paint as well, and I credit myself for having, um, I would like to say I have um, certain artistic um, taste, so to speak. Yeah. Also, I like telling, there's a quote Tarantino said, um, if you're going to make a film, think about making a film that no one has ever seen before. And make that film with all your heart and all your passion. And somehow there's no way the film is not going to be a good film. Yeah. Stories I always set out to tell are stories that I feel are very original. You know, Lost Okoroshi, story about a man who's transformed into a masquerade, you know. Yeah. Um, first of his kind coming from where we are, you know. Um, green, white, green. Um Nollywood satire about four kids coming together to make a film. This was, in fact, critics started calling it meta Nollywood because it was a film within a film. Yeah, it hadn't been done. So, um, yeah, um, I think those are one of the few things that uh, makes my work distinct. Okay. Green White Green screened in over 20 festivals worldwide. Um, it also won the AFRIF um, Best Nigerian Film for that year. Um, yes. How do you select the festivals you submit your films to? Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, there are a few things. You, there's a good book called Beyond Nollywood by my friend Nadia Denton. Yeah. Um, she's a curator, industry influencer. She's actually also going to be in Bordeaux in a couple of days. Um, she wrote this film, Beyond Nollywood, and she, she was curating filmmakers in Nigerian industry that were doing films that were um, out of the box. Yeah. People like Kenneth Yang, Kulia Folayo, Tunde Kilani, um, but also music video directors, uh, Clarence Peters, whatnot. She did this book, and she also kind of wrote... Um, a few tips on how to go about uh, getting your films to certain platforms and she advised, you know. Um, so it's a good book for people to check out if they're um, interested in, in how um, how to get into festivals and whatnot. But for me personally, yeah. um, I always aim for um, the best. And um, there are festivals that are just 
notable for for bringing a mix of everything from, from Hollywood stars, Hollywood directors yeah. to um, to um, experimental films to distributors. You have to know what you want in yeah. a festival, you know. Um, so those are some of the things that I look out for when I'm selecting. Or another thing is, you also have to look look for um, which festivals have been around the longest. Usually, the ones who have been around the longest have stood the test of time and are more credible. You know, you want um, there's always aim for if you're being aspirational. Um, there's the, what they call the big three, which is can. Um, Berlinale and um, I can't remember the third one I think Venice Yeah, um, those are the, across Europe you know um, those are the big three um, now I've been to Berlinale twice yeah. actually I've been to Berlinale I've been to Berlinale uh, three times um, there's this program called the Berlinale Talents yeah you know? Um, where it's just a network of filmmakers. I was, um, I went for that in 2018. Yeah. Then I went for Berlin. My film was selected twice for Berlin Critics Week, which runs concurrently with Berlinale. So um, then, if another good festival for independent filmmakers is um, Sundance, which I've not never been, um, but it's a good, good launching pad for. Um, indie filmmakers um, obviously TIFF is also a very good festival um, which has a mix of everything it has Hollywood indie experimental and it takes place in the city of Toronto yeah. um, then I've also attended BFI um, by the British Film Institute the London Film Festival um, yeah. um which also takes place in an amazing city and BFI is just um, a powerful um, cultural institute for cinema um, so you want to look out for for um, the the big ones you know the big ones but then after so even festivals um, like film distributions they have um, a timeline you want to start with the big ones like be like um, TIFF, Cannes, Berlin. After you've done that run, then the the mid-level festivals, who which are also good as well. You know, uh. Uh, they're not. They might not have um, the level of publicity um, these huge festivals are, but they do uh, gain a lot of um, crowd within the film industry, and then. There's their niche festivals like African International Film Festivals and whatnot, which cater to specific type of films. Um, a few good niche festivals are like the New York African Film Festival, yeah. which takes place in New York at the Lincoln Fence Center, great venue. Um, there's Film Africa in London. Um, then there's actually there's um, uh, yeah. Those are a couple of um, festivals out there people, um, aspiring filmmakers can look out for. Okay. So um, you studied film at the New York University. Um, what yeah. foundation did you think that laid like, for your career? Um, it, it, so when I 
I discovered that when I was studying film in New York, um, I discovered that a lot of things that they were teaching me, I kind of already picked up on my own, just being curious. Yeah. Um, so what that did for me was, first of all, it gave me access to equipment that I'd never used before. I was using amateur stuff. And it made me learn about film itself, celluloid film. Yeah. Um, that was a great experience. And it also gave you a sense of community belonging to a group of cinephiles you know um, um, it gave you first-hand experience of what it's like to be on set be work working with professionals it just gave me a glimpse of what um, the real world was um, going to um, look like what I was going to experience in the real world yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. So, um, how vivid would you say your story ideas are, like, before you start developing them? Most of my ideas have just come unconsciously. You know, it, it sometimes it comes as a dream. Sometimes it comes just as a thought in passing. Yeah, um, um, yeah I've learned to trust my unconscious. Um, a huge um, part of my work is inspired by dreams and I always anytime I get the opportunity to reference Carl Jung I always do that yeah. um, Jung for those who don't know is a psychologist and um, the founder of analytical psychology and he spent his entire life dedicated to study the unconscious and how dreams manifest and meaning of dreams. And um, he kind of tried to map out um, the mind. And um, that has a huge, with the lost Okuroshi, you can see it's very Jungian in yeah. its approach. Um, so I would say dreams have a huge um, role in in the way um, I develop my work, but also in the way it feels. You know, um, I belong to a group called Surreal Sixteen. Yeah. Myself, Obasi and Michael Onwa, and um, we came up with this collective based on the fact that we wanted to make one film. A short film called Visions, inspired by dreams and visions. Yeah, uh, and, um, surrealism is a huge uh, part of um, my filmmaking. Yeah. Okay. So, how did you meet um, CJ and Michael? Um, online. I was a fan of both their work, and I I remember seeing Mike's short film Suni Jebli on YouTube. Yeah. Um, via Facebook and I was struck by his, minim his minimalism the actors didn't speak much um, it was very subtle and the tone was um, dark but subtle yeah um, again back to directors having vision he had that 
he had a clear distinct vision and style and I just became a fan instantly and I wanted to see more of his work and I added him on Facebook and just started speaking yeah same thing with um, CJ CJ I had seen the trailer for his zombie movie Ojuju zero budget zombie movie Ojuju yeah and um, I same thing you know I had not seen any I filmmakers which were doing the type of stuff they were doing and I reached out to him on Facebook as well and we all kind of were admirers of each other's work yeah. and that's how we all kind of came together and um, we decided to form the collective okay so yeah um you guys um started with visions and um you shot um juju stories yes so um, yep. when is it coming out? We have a big announcement um, for Juju Stories, which will be will be announcing, I think, July first or mm -hmm. so. Yeah, a couple There's of a days. Yeah, yeah, for Juju Stories. Yeah. So Juju Stories is a feature length um, done by three of us. It has three chapters. Yeah. And it's kind of an anthology film about uh, Juju. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to see each director's take on the subject matter, you know. So far with your with your feature films, you have always co-wrote it with um, Africa Uko. Yes. What have you learned from this co-writing things with people? You know, it's, it's one thing to express yourself creatively and then it's another thing to, you know, be on the same page with somebody else and create something. What have you learned from your numerous things with um, co-writing? Um, with um, Africa, it's, um, it um, came natural because we're good friends. We kind of have the same sense of humor and also taste. Um, so that came natural. You know, and I always say I, I love collaboration. Two heads are better than one. Yeah. Um, but um, I always come up with the idea. I have a treatment. Then I invite someone to come and help me flesh it out. Um, so that's in terms of collaboration. Yeah, two heads are better than one. And you, it's um, it's like sparring, you know. You just go back and forth, you know, with this person. Hmm. And um, there's, there's no rights and wrongs. There's only just ideas and trying to um, fit pieces um, to a puzzle, you know. Yeah. Okay, so um, with, with Visions, I noticed that um, each of the member of like um surreal 16 all of you guys were listed as editors and also with um green white green and lost okoroshi you were the editor um yes. what was the main reason behind you editing those films we uh, were we're editors <laughs> we're, we're, we're we're writers we're directors we're editors and we're independent filmmakers you yeah. know uh, so if there's something that we can take on we'll do it with, yeah. with with green white green i did i did the art direction as well with lost okuroshi i did the art direction and wardrobe as well yeah. um, i collaborated with um, a friend of mine mfr smith and we did both the costumes 
for the film. Um, so yeah, it's just being completely hands-on, you know, and um, in this day and age, because um, uh, filmmaking has become so um, democratized that through the digital revolution, yeah, everyone has access to technology, which is can be learned quite easy. You know, before editing was an immense task. You edit film on this huge device called the editing bed, and I, I just can't even imagine working on on such a device, you know, um, a lot time-consuming. Yeah. So um, it's the same way Mike. Mike was um, shoot shoots well, shot most of his short films as well, yeah. and he's the DOP for Lost Okoroshi and um, his first feature-length film, The Man Who Cuts Tattoos. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, it's one of those things. Okay, does it also have to do with like protecting the vision of the film? Not necessarily. If um, a little, it could be yes, yes and no. Um, with Juju stories, we worked with one editor, you know, who cuts the entire film. Yeah. And I know editors that if I had a good substantial budget you know i would because it also has to do with maybe budget as well yeah uh, you're trying to cut costs so if you can edit you know you might as well but i also most importantly i also enjoy editing you know i enjoy that's when the film starts coming together because when you're filming you just have vignettes yeah and you have um different pieces but in Editing is when you start seeing the film come to life. At the start of your career, you did director, you did um, Party of Ministers and Quacks, and um, you moved to Green, White, Green, and um, The Lost Okurushi. So with, with um, some of your early work, there's this um, reoccurring thing with satire. Why do you feel you kind of found... Um, yourself comfortable in this um, satirical medium? I do satire because uh, of a couple of things. One, because of my love for comedy as a genre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, lo I really enjoy comedy. I enjoy almost all forms of comedy. I love skits. I love uh, sketches. I love stand-up. I love it in film. And I love it when it's done right. Yeah. And satire is kind of uh, a type of comedy, toned down, which um, explores social social issues, but through a satirical lens. And um, Nigeria being kind of the mess it is, yeah. I wanted to talk about certain things but do it in a way where I wasn't being overly, not overly critical, because I am critical, but just an easier way for people to swallow it. So mm. that's why I chose the satirical approach. And there's just so much I want to say that 
I want to carry the audience along and I don't want them to get too uh, because Green White Green initially was supposed to be a drama yeah, and it was way much darker but again um, satire just comes natural for me I don't I don't know why. Um, it's just an instinctual thing, I guess. Okay. Um, in one of your interviews, you said you feel some way about being called a Nollywood filmmaker. So how do you describe yourself? I'm a, I'm a visual artist, first and foremost, and then a filmmaker. Um, um, it, it, I've, I've said this before. The, the term... It's 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 not about. I have nothing against our film industry, you know. Um, it's certain spaces in which the term is used that I find it quite uncomfortable um, because there's this generalization of what Nollywood films are, especially through a European. Um, journalistic um, point of view and even two years ago I worked on a project with uh, for a German TV show yeah they were making a, a comedy sketch about a German actor who comes to star in a Nollywood film yeah and it was a joke to them, you know. They were doing what I was doing, but in my case, I was being satirical and examining Nollywood for what it truly is yeah. and highlighting not only the goofs, but also um, the amazing thing about just uh, being tenacious and getting getting the work done despite all the constraints and whatnot. Whereas when they were doing it, they it was more of a mockery. Yeah. And in fact, when they were putting together a reel of what Nollywood was, they were just using clips of different African films. They were action, low-budget action films from Uganda inside yeah. that reel. So you could tell that it's just general. So it's almost sometimes it reminds me of the 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 N word, you know. Yeah. It's like when they call you a nigger, you know. There, there's a stereotype of what a nigger is to a racist, you know. So there's also a stereotype of what a Nollywood filmmaker is to. Um, to um, foreigners, so that's that's why. But I have no qualms when it's same same thing with the N word. How amongst black people mm. they say nigger and it means N I N I N I W G A. It means completely something. It's a term of endearment. You know, it's the same way. I have no reservations when it's we are using it to describe ourselves in the industry. Yeah. But in certain um, um, white spaces, so to speak, uh, I I find it uncomfortable. 
Okay. You directed um, the Al Jazeera documentary called Nollywood. Yes. So what um, interesting things do you find out about our origins and yeah, the way we operate? Um, that project was a crash course for me because I had been isolated and I didn't know much about the industry at all. Yeah. And um, shout out to Meg Otanwa, the actress who was my production coordinator. She was able to help me get in contact with uh, with all the people we interviewed within the industry, people from Kulia Folayo to um, Bimbo Manuel to uh, who else? Tunde Kilani yeah. to Femi Odubemi. Femi Odubemi, yeah. Um, she put together. So I was I was literally learning about the industry and um, learning about um, people like Hubert Ogunde and Kulia Folayo's dad, yeah. um, who um, and Ola Balogun, you know. Um, filmmakers who are making films on celluloid in the 60s and in the 70s. Um, so it was a crash course for me. Um, um, I really enjoyed working on that project. Okay. Um, so what would you say is your wildest um, Nollywood story? Um, filming Lost Okoroshi was, was magical. Okay. Because a lot of the shots where you see the masquerade interacting mm. in crowds, that's all organic. Um, there's this shot where he's dancing in Lagos Island, and anybody who is a filmmaker knows that filming in Lagos Island is a nightmare. Filming anywhere in Lagos exterior yeah. is madness. You're going to be harassed by area boys, you're going to have issues with sound and whatnot. But the moment we entered that market with that masquerade, there was silence. And then when he started dancing, people just started gathering around and we started recording. And it was just magical that we entered inside Lagos Island got our shot and left and nobody was harassed yeah yeah um another interesting thing is we actually went shot it first we're about to leave then we discovered that there was no card in the camera so we had to go back and do it again and still at that we were able to get our shot yeah yeah so that was um that was just just traveling through different parts of Lagos with um, the masquerade was was wild and crazy and um, it's an experience that I'll never forget. Yeah. So um, with with the loss of Koreshi, like what um, themes were you trying to explore with um, the use of the masquerade, um, the dreams and all that? Oh yeah. So. Lost Okoroshi is why I'm actually here in France now. I'll be screening it in a couple of days on the 20, 20, 24th, right? I believe on the 24th, yeah. And um, again, it's a film, had it been the pandemic, didn't happen. I know that I would have 
kept on traveling. I was supposed to go to Egypt and um, we had done BFI, we had done Toronto. Yeah. So it's like now the life cycle has come and it's on Netflix for anybody who wants to see. The life cycle has continued. Um, I want to go back to Carl Jung. Carl Jung talks about the collective unconscious and how um, a lot of things in about mankind, like religion, um, culture, um, cultural practices, um, all come from sort uh, a, a divine source, um, which is the collective unconscious. Yeah. Um, these themes, these archetypes, they exist in one place, and you can find them in different parts of the world, but they manifest differently. Now, the masquerade is an archetype which um, comes from the collective unconscious. You can find it in every culture around the world. And when I was making the film, one of the things that inspired me was um, the work of two French photographers, yeah. Jean-Claude Moschetti and Charles Frieger, who Moschetti was taking pictures of masquerades within Africa, and these images are just so beautiful and striking. And Charles Frieger was taking pictures of masquerades um, across Europe, and he published a book called The Wilder Man. Yeah. Uh, um, which has images of what they, he calls pagan ceremonial costumes. But you look at them, they look exactly like masquerades mm. in Africa. So that just blew my mind. And I've always been fascinated with masquerades, um, even as a child growing up, traveling to Lantang, our village. It used to be a masquerade festival. And I remember just being... Um, in awe and fantasizing about it at night because women and children weren't allowed to gaze at the masquerade. Mm. Uh, so it's exploring um, the collective unconscious, but also I wanted to talk about our cultural identity and um, tradition in a modern context are we losing some of our because a lot of these things now which were revered back in the day are now considered ominous yeah. and dark so I'm asking questions about who we are as Africans and as Nigerians and is there still a space for um, these entities that are, were revered back in the day? Um, even the masquerade itself, um, I've seen them being demystified. I see some videos go viral of masquerades fighting, flogging each other. Yeah. There's, there's this image of a masquerade at a bet. Um, trying to do football betting, mm. you know, 
So all these small, small things you, I, I see just makes me, it makes me wonder, you know, it makes me ask questions. Um, so that's, that's what I was trying to do with this picture, you know. I was trying to explore certain themes, you know. Yeah. And I guess, um, you know, the masquerade is connected to your nickname, the Dorowski. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Um, so my cousin, um, who named me Dodoroski, um, obviously Dodo means masquerade in Hauskar. Yeah. And it's a mixture of two words, Dodoroski and Jodorowsky. My One of my favorite and biggest influences is Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah. And, um, Jodorowsky, like Jung, also explores dreams and fantasy worlds and um, the mind and spirituality, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Who are other like filmmakers that you really like follow their work? Oh, there's so many. Um, right off the top of my head, um, Gaspano, uh, Michel Gondry, Federico Fellini, uh, Martin Scorsese, um, uh, Guy Ritchie, uh, Woody Allen. Yeah. Um, Stanley Kubrick, obviously, Spike Lee, um, Wes Anderson, uh, Spike Jones. Oh, the list is endless. Um, what's the, the, the Alfonso? No, no, Alfonso Coron. Yes, Alfonso Coron. Um, uh, Eniratu, Gilmo del Toro, Tarantino, yeah. uh, Michael Omonua, you know. Uh, Tunde Kelani, uh, Usman Semben, Jibril Mbepti, mm. uh, Takashi, um, Mike Takashi, um, yeah, so many. Yeah. yeah. What, what are the elements that will contribute to Nigeria having a cinematic movement? Um, the audience needs to be more enlightened. The audience needs to have more variety, more diversity. Um, it all starts with the audience, you know. Um, exposure. There mm. isn't, Nigerians are not exposed, you know. Um, it's, it's sad, but uh, we're not exposed. What, what we're digesting is um, very limited. Yeah. It's, um, very limited in scope so i think that needs to happen and it's not just for cinema it's for literature it's for music it's for all the arts there mm. isn't that much exposure exposure if you were stuck on an island and you had to watch a particular film or tv series which one would that be tv series would be the sopranos um film it would probably be I, I can, with film, I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> uh, but I can name a couple of films that I keep going back to on and on. Yeah. That I rewatch uh, almost every year. I rewatch 
Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. I watched trilogy, um, Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange, mm. um, Frederico's Fellini's Eight and a Half, um, mm. uh, Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Mm. Yeah, these are a few films that I I never get tired of watching. And um, what do you think? Nollywood should be focused on. Um, we're growing. Um, there's a lot of expectation, um, international attention and all that. What do you think we should be working on to um, ensure that, yeah, we, we're going in the right direction? I think um, working on uh, multiple things, you know. Um, we need more cinema screens and we need more diversity. Um, in the cinemas, um, um, I wish there was more spaces that were dedicated to the type of films that um, um, I'm making or, or CJ is making art house films, so to speak. Yeah, again, developing the culture of diverse cinema is something is a world I I, I would love to see exist within the industry. Um, I think the industry is doing quite fine right now, but it, they could, it could do better in terms of its diversity of um, films being made and films being presented. Um, uh, also, I think I think Nollywood is doing quite fine. You know, um, it's 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 exp it's uh, evolving organically. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd like to see more of what we're doing. Um, uh, just recently, um, a film called Imofe yeah. by Ari and Chuko Siri was picked up by um, Criterion Collection. Yeah. Uh, anybody who knows cinema knows Criterion Collection is like a holy grail platform and that's just amazing you know um but we need a hundred of those type of things happening simultaneously yeah um, that's the world i want to see okay hopefully we get there someday green white green was i don't know that fully or partly funded by project act nollywood what role do you think government has in all this should we be hoping for them to step in or we should just do our thing um i mean ideally it would be nice if um government would step in but i don't think the government owes owes us anything uh, we have to nollywood boards built on its own yeah um and uh, nigeria is in such bad shape uh, Infrastructure-wise, um, economically, mm. even socially, right now the country is is is, is in a very sensitive spot. Uh, um, it it would we're just not. It's 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 difficult to say, you know. Um, the times are just so tough. Yeah, it's 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 
be I don't want to say a displaced priority if there was now a focus on the arts or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, human beings need human beings need to be stimulated, um, even at times of despair. Yeah. Uh, they need to be that um, stimulation um, through the arts, through culture. You know, it's very important. And um, whether it's government, whether it's private, you know, we as individuals, we need to keep ourselves stimulated. Um, but I personally don't feel the government owes us anything. Um, government is barely making it on its own. Yeah. As, yeah, so, um, but in an ideal world, you know, you come to, you come to places like Europe and, you see how organized things are and how much um, influence the government has on maintaining um, the arts and culture. You know, I've been, um, just the past few days I've been here, I've been going to exhibitions and um, um, going to all these cultural spaces. And um, I would love to see a society in in Africa, in Nigeria, where we have more of that, you know, where, and it's not, it's not a, it's a classless thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's um, only people in certain um, income brackets, so to speak, have the privilege to experience good cinema or good art or whatnot, you know, that, oh. that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. And yeah, like right now, there's an ongoing censorship of the Nigerian voice. How do you feel about that? Oh, um, that um, we're shooting ourselves on the foot, you know. Um, um, the Twitter ban uh, is is um, highly uncalled for. Um, a lot of businesses rely on social media to. Um, gain access to their audience, their market. Yeah. Um, I, I see where the Nigerian government is coming from, coming from a place of um, security and um, they feel um, it's in the nation's interest to uh, um, regulate um, social media, but we don't want to end up in a space where we we are now in a police state where um, censorship is an issue and there's no freedom of expression. It, yeah. It's never a good space to be, um, especially in such a beautiful and diverse place like Nigeria. Um, ah, it's crippling, the thought of it. It's just crippling. Yeah, yeah. Hoping and praying that something changes soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what are you working on at the moment? Um, we're like I said, we're preparing to announce something for Juju in okay. a couple of in in about a month or so. Um, 
I'm currently writing my next film, um, which I would love to share, but I can't. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm, and then I'm also painting, you know. Okay, great stuff. Um, how can people keep up with your work? Lost Okoroshi is on Netflix. I'm on Instagram, Abba T Makama. That's one word, Abba T Makama. And I usually, my Instagram page is strictly for my work. Uh, yeah, you can reach me on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. And thanks, Abba, for coming on the Niger Filmmaker. No, it's my pleasure. We have come to the end of this episode. Please remember to leave a rating and a review. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Zedegov Film and the podcast also on Instagram and Twitter at the Niger Film Pod. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.